listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Fasting should always be accompanied by prayer. If it's not, it's just a waste of time. It's a hunger strike. It's, uh, it's basically just starvation at that point. And so we don't fast to, to lose weight. We don't, and it's a wonderful benefit of fasting, but it's not why we do it. We do it with the purposes in mind that are spiritual and our fasting should always have prayer attached to it. And so, uh, the reason I say that is because there are people that'll get into fasting and then they just start sleeping their fast away or, you know, they're just trying to do all these other things to pass the time so they can get out of the fast and get back to eating. You might as well just eat again. You're not involved in seeking the face of God, but what we're doing truly is we're not just fasting, but fasting is a supplement to prayer. Fasting is always a supplement to prayer. Uh, and so I want you to see it in the Bible, you know, as people were, uh, fasting, you always saw, uh, especially in the new Testament, fasting was coupled with prayer. Well, what do I mean by that? Especially in the new Testament. Well, one of the purposes of fasting in the old Testament was to show, uh, sorrow or grief. It was to show God sorrow and grief. We don't express sorrow and grief in the new Testament in the same way that they did in the old Testament. You know, for example, uh, they would fast, uh, solitarily fast. Uh, as a form of showing God their sorrow and their humility and showing God their, you know, repentance. Whereas in the new Testament, we actually just have the ability through our relationship with Christ to repent. If we've made mistakes, if we've committed sins, the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in the new Testament, we have the ability to, uh, repent Immediately, we don't have to wait for a priest to make a sacrifice on our behalf. We don't have to wait for a blood sacrifice to be given for our nation before we can be forgiven again. Uh, we can immediately talk to God. We can immediately repent. So uh, we don't use fasting for the same reason in that, in that context as they did in the Old Testament, but that's why it's not a standalone discipline. When you see it in the New Testament especially, it was fasting and prayer fasting and prayer. And so very important that we catch this. And so we're supposed to be praying on a daily basis. And we've encouraged you to engage in at least an hour of prayer, uh, each day. And I've provided you with, uh, prayer points so that you can, uh, have a kickstart to your prayer time. We provided you with a hundred in this book. And then in this book, I've provided you with about 60, what would it be? 69 of them? Cause there's three each day. 63, 63. There we go. Tiffany's th thumbs up in the back. Like I don't do math this early in the morning, 63. So, um, there's a couple overlaps, but we've given you plenty of prayer points to kickstart your prayer time. And, uh, people say, well, you know, I just get into prayer. I mean, throw a hand up in the comments. If that's you, you've gotten into prayer before and you're like, 
I just, you know, I prayed for like five, 10 minutes and I had prayed for like everything I could think to pray for. And I couldn't think of anything else to pray for. You know, I was like, I thanked God and I, I prayed for direction and I prayed for my family and I prayed for my health and I couldn't think of anything else to pray for. Well, that's where the prayer points come in. That's why they're so beneficial because it also puts into your spirit kingdom prayers where you're praying for God to accomplish things in the earth uh, for the body of Christ at large around the world. And so that's where the prayer points really helped me is when I started watching and understanding uh, these prayer services in other nations like Nigeria, where they use the prayer points and they'll pray for hours and hours at a time. And I thought, man, that's powerful that we can have word focused prayer. We can have word focused prayer. And that's how our prayer should be. Honestly, our prayers should be based on the written word of God always. And so they'll help you a lot. And that's true as well, Hannah. Uh, you can speak in tongues. And I used to do that in the past, where it was like, if I'm praying for an hour, it might be like 10 minutes in English and 50 minutes in tongues. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying there's more that we can pray for in our known language. And part of that realization is getting outside of myself, beyond just my own personal life, beyond just the things that I'm believing for, to the things that God wants to be accomplished in the earth and completed before Jesus comes. And so the prayer points will definitely help you a lot uh, as you're starting to pray. So today though, I'm going to give you 11 life-changing benefits of prayer uh, as we're fasting and show you how as you're praying, see, because again, it's the why, you know, why am I praying? It's the same as the why am I fasting? When you understand the why, it gives you an, an unction to pray, gives you an unction to fast. And so uh, as, I, as I teach on these today, I'm going to get as many as, as we can and teach as much as I can on each one in the time that we have, but it, it really sets you on fire to press in and to pray and get in God's presence. And so let's go through these and I'll just go through them one by one, but, um, and you can put them in the comments, you can put them in your notes. Those of you that are listening, I hope you're taking notes on the podcast. But get this now, the first life-changing benefit of prayer is that it makes power available. Or we could say it this way, it releases power. It makes power available by releasing power as we pray. Let's go to the book of James. And we know this uh, from this scripture in the book of James chapter 5. And... Uh, Listen to what the Bible says, James chapter five and um, verse 16, James five sixteen says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You see it there. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Very important to see that. So never look at your prayers and say, well, my prayers aren't doing anything. My prayers aren't powerful. That's not what the Bible teaches. The prayers of a righteous person are doing what? They're making power available, has great power as they are working, and they are working. They absolutely are working, and it doesn't matter what you see in the natural. 
doesn't matter what you experience in the normal realm, they are working. They are at work behind the scenes. And so your prayer makes power available. I will tell you in this, in this fashion that when I see people that are truly um, walking in that level of, of anointing, I can tell you right off the bat, that's a person of prayer. I can tell it. I'll be honest with you. Not only that, I can tell, especially if somebody stands to speak, stands to minister, I can tell you right off the bat if they're a person of prayer or not. I can tell by the power that they carry, the authority and the anointing that they carry as they minister. And I've listened to people minister and thought, man, that person does not pray. I can tell by what they carry. I can tell by how they operate. That person does not pray. They're not a person of prayer. And what happens when you're not a person of prayer, power is not being released. And we talked about the other day, we talked about releasing the anointing from your life. We talked about how you're overflowing with the power of God and that you have to release God's power that's already inside you. It's not that Christians aren't anointed. Christians are anointed. It's not that all Christians don't have the uh, anointing of the Holy Ghost. We all have it. The Bible says so. But did you ever notice that not all Christians release the anointing of God at the same level? They don't. And so we have to understand that one of the ways to do that uh, or, or to release the power of God is prayer. The Bible says it makes great power available. When you study um, the New Testament, you see the life of Jesus. One of the things that was very, that's always been very interesting to me um, about the disciples and their interactions with Christ is if you were around a man that that was that miraculous, I mean, if you were around a man that was performing that many miracles all the time and you were in his inner circle, don't you think that you'd want to have an inside access to like, Lord, you know, I saw you multiply the bread and the fish. You're a multiplier. You know, would you show me how to operate in that multiplying anointing where it's like, you know, I, the anointing comes on me to begin to multiply things. Don't you think you'd ask questions like that? Like, Lord, I saw you raise a dead guy. Would you show me how to do that dead raising thing? I mean, would you teach me how to raise the dead? But, but the interesting thing to me is that when you study the interactions of the disciples with Christ, it, it, the only thing they ever asked him to teach them was teach us, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You ever see that? I wrote about it in the book. Lord, teach us to pray. And then it made me think, maybe what the disciples actually realized was that all of the things that Jesus was doing, all the miracles he was performing, maybe they realized they were all the result of his personal prayer life. And that's why they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe it's because they knew that it was Jesus' prayer life, right, that brought him into his miracle-working ministry. And so the thing that it, that's interesting as we read that is that Jesus actually explains that concept to the disciples in uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. And we, we see, we can see an example of, now the disciples had received 
authority from Christ to work miracles already, but, and they'd already done some, but they came to a case that they had no ability to bring freedom to this young man who was brought by his parents, demon possessed. And, uh, often the demon threw the boy into the fire and into the water to kill him. And today we would just say, well, he's suicidal. No, it was a demon spirit. And, uh, the parents said, we brought our son to your disciples and they could not cast the demon out. And Jesus rebuked them because of the fact they should have been able to do it, but they couldn't. And then Jesus did it and there was no problem. He easily cast the demon out. And then later he said, this kind of demon comes out by nothing, but by prayer. And then some manuscripts add and fasting. So prayer and fasting. So especially prayer, Jesus is driving home the point that disciples, you've not been praying like you should have been praying. And if you had been praying more like you should have in dedication, then this demon would have come out. Well, what is that showing us? It's showing us that there are levels of spiritual power. There are levels of spiritual resistance. And that means that you've got to operate at a higher level of release if you're going to overcome in every situation. You have to, you have to operate at a higher level of release if you're going to overcome in every situation. So Jesus is actually showing us that what they thought or probably thought was true. It is your prayer life that releases power and releases miracles. And James tells us the same. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So one of the things that you need to expect to see as we are praying and, uh, no, that's not true, Abraham. If you read the, if you read the passage, it doesn't say, it, it does say that he, they had unbelief. No question. It says that. But if you read the passage, Jesus is talking about the spirit that they were facing, not their unbelief, not their unbelief. And because the, look at, he's responding to a question by the disciples. Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. He's referencing the demon, not the unbelief. And so there are different levels of spiritual power and you've got to be able to, and that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, that we are called, uh, no, he's not talking about their unbelief coming out by praying and fasting. And we know that for a fact, Abraham, because we know that uh, unbelief does not leave by prayer and fasting. It leaves by receiving the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith doesn't come by prayer. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now you can stir your faith up the faith that you already have by praying, but that's not how you receive more faith. You receive more faith by hearing God's word. And Jesus is referencing here the demon coming out. And he said, the reason you couldn't drive this demon out, this kind of demon is not driven out by anything except by prayer and fasting. And so it's very important to understand that there are levels of spiritual resistance and levels of spiritual power. That's why Ephesians six tells us that we are required 
to become strong in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? It means that believers can be weak in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I've taught at length on uh, spiritual strength, but, uh, but understand something here. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and then put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and cosmic powers over the present darkness and the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So we're wrestling against spiritual forces of evil. And when we wrestle against spiritual forces of evil, Paul said it takes spiritual strength and power in order to overcome spiritual forces of evil. And I can tell you very uh, clearly that not every Christian is releasing the same level of anointing and walking at the same level of faith. They're just not. We see levels of faith in the New Testament and we can see levels of power being released in the New Testament. We can see, for example, the seven sons of Sceva, who, for example, had apparently, because they were Jewish exorcists, had exorcised certain demons, but the Bible doesn't tell us they did any healing miracles or any kind of deliverance miracles other than that. But then you have the disciples. They produced healing miracles and cast out demons to a degree. But then we come to this story and they couldn't cast this demon out. But then you have Jesus level of releasing power where he never, he never had an issue casting out any demons. So there are, you can see just in the scripture in the New Testament, different levels of releasing the anointing of God. Amen. That's true. Stephen said the, the, the disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit until much later, uh, but that, that shouldn't matter because if that was a reason that they couldn't cast the demon out, then Jesus had no business rebuking them for their failure. Because how can you rebuke somebody for not doing something that they didn't have the power to do in the first place? Which is, that's not what Jesus was doing. Because Jesus was rebuking them because he had already given them authority, all authority, to do what he called them to do. So the power was there. It just was not released because they weren't praying like they should be praying. And that's very clear in the scripture. They already had Christ's authority. They already had Christ's power. They just weren't releasing the power at the level at which they should have been because of their lack of prayer. And that's what I'm talking about in point number one. Releasing the power of God from your life is one of the first life-changing benefits of prayer and especially prayer and fasting. As we do that, expect power, the power of God to be released in your life, in your family, in your ministry, in your business. Expect the power of God. Number two, the second thing we can definitely see that's released by prayer, it's a life-changing benefit of prayer, is divine healing. Divine healing is a benefit of prayer. And of course, we're still in James 5, and we know that that's true because the passages right before what I read you uh, tell us that. The Bible says in James chapter 5, let's read verses 14 and 15 that were before uh, what I read you before, verse 16. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer 
of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So when they pray, divine healing is released. Now you might ask, is that only for the elders of the church? And the answer to that is no, because in Mark chapter 16, in the great commission, the Bible says that these signs will follow them that believe, not just the elders, anybody that believes on the name of Jesus Christ and is baptized. The Bible says, and they shall lay their hands upon the sick and they shall recover. So releasing divine healing through prayer is not reserved only for the elders of the church, but every believer has the power and the authority to release healing to those around them, to pray for healing for their loved ones and for those they encounter. And when they believe and do what the Bible says, healing is a benefit of prayer. No question about that. And then of course, we could even go into the Old Testament, Second Chronicles chapter seven. And we go back to talking about fasting and prayer again, where God is speaking to his people and say, you know, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I would hear from heaven and I would heal their land. I would heal their land. You see that? And so um, it's very important to know that God is, he's not just doing things randomly. God's not just doing things randomly. God supernaturally answers as people press in. God supernaturally answers. You know what I'm missing this morning is my uh, full notes edition Bible. If I could have that. Uh, God, he's supernaturally answer, answering those that are pressing in supernaturally. So he's not randomly pouring out uh, uh, miracles on people. It's not random. He's looking for people that are pressing in. We've covered that at length. That my people that are called by my name, they'll humble, thank you, humble themselves and pray. That people will uh, humble themselves and pray. Well, that's an action on your part. That's not just God randomly doing something. That is an action on your part. And so it's very important for us to understand this. God is, and I've, I've used 2 Chronicles 16, 9 uh, for, for a long time, that the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are turned toward him. And on, on those people's behalf, those are the people that he will show himself strong and mighty on their behalf. Powerful. Hallelujah. And so, I'm just looking up a note here. Um, and so, God's looking to see how we're going to respond to his word. That's right. He's looking for someone to cooperate with their faith. God is honoring people's faith because of your faith. Look, look what he said many times in the New Testament. He said, uh, as your faith is, so be it unto you. And your faith, your faith has made you whole. There's multiple passages where Jesus expresses the fact that it is their faith. Look at the woman with the issue of blood. She, Jesus didn't even know she was there. Didn't even know she was in the crowd. He turned around and said, who touched me? He didn't even know. 
He didn't know, but he, she said in her heart, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. God is looking to respond to people's uh, faith. <clears throat> Amen. And um, it's important to understand that because as we pray, God answers. You know, I don't know if you've uh, thought of it this way before, but imagine this. God wants to answer our prayers more than we want them answered. Think about that. God wants to answer our prayers more than we even want them answered. The reason God wants to answer our prayers, and, it, and one of the things, not only does it bring him glory, but I thought this is very interesting that when God answers our prayers, it brings great joy into our spirits. That's why Jesus said, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Get that. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And so God wants to answer our prayers more than we want them answered. It brings him glory. It brings him honor. It shows his goodness to the earth. It shows his power to those that don't believe. And then at the same time, not only does he love you, he wants you to walk in overwhelming joy. Amen. And that's the key. And so healing is released. Number three, deliverance is released as we pray. There's people that are battling. You might be battling addictions in your life. You might be battling addictions in your mind, in your body. It might be in your family. But deliverance is released as we pray. Go with me to Acts chapter 16. And I want to show you this. You know the story. This is Paul and Silas. What are they doing at midnight as they're in the inner dungeon? They prayed and sang praises unto God. Now they're locked up. They're completely locked up. They need deliverance. This is actual deliverance from prison. And they're locked up. And as they began to pray, as they began, began to praise, the Bible says the prison shook, the doors opened, every chain fell, fell off, and they were released. That's not the only time. Think about Peter being locked up in prison. What was the church doing as Peter was imprisoned? The church was praying, the Bible says. They were gathered together in a house praying. And the Bible declares that as they prayed, the angel of the Lord was released to bring deliverance. So the angel of the Lord comes right into the jail cell where Peter is probably slated for uh, execution the next day. And they do not want him to be, uh, to escape. They've got him right between two guards and he's dead asleep in the middle of the night and he's right between two guards, but the prayers of the church release the angel of the Lord to come set Peter free. And the Bible says that he was sleeping so soundly, which is the peace of God, by the way. Can you imagine sleeping so soundly the night before your execution? After you'd been wrongly arrested, wrongly imprisoned, wrongly condemned, and now you're getting ready to be wrongly executed, and he's sleeping soundly. Hallelujah. Stan asks, when we pray, do we take authority or make a request or both? Both. Both. You make your requests known unto God, 
but you take authority over the things that have been sent against your life by the enemy. You take authority over those things and you make your requests known unto the Lord. And so uh, you see here that the angel, he was sleeping so soundly that the angel had to strike him on the shoulder to wake him up. That's a deep sleep. <laughs> and he woke up and the angel led him right out. All the doors opened of their own accord, led, them, led him right out and led him right back to where the church was praying. And so prayer in both of these cases brought deliverance. It brought deliverance. And the same is true. You could go story after story in the New Testament and the Old. Uh, you could go back to what? 2 Kings 19 to where Hezekiah has to pray uh, to God because the whole city is surrounded by enemy soldiers, 185,000 of them that are ready to kill all of them and take their children into captivity and their women. And Hezekiah goes into the temple and begins to pray. And as he begins to pray, the Bible said the Lord released one angel, one angel who came down and brought deliverance to a whole city full of people, Judah. And every enemy is taken out by one angel. How did that deliverance come? It came through prayer. Hezekiah began to pray and ask God to show himself mighty. And as he did, one angel was released and destroyed every enemy that held them in a place of captivity. It's powerful. Deliverance comes. That's number three. Number four, direction comes. This is a big one. This is one thing that we're believing for as we fast and pray. Divine direction. Divine direction. Divine direction. That is huge. Your life is dependent upon the direction of the Holy Spirit. Your future, your prosperity, how well you're doing in life, in your purpose, it's dependent on divine direction from the Holy Spirit. And it's one of the most important things that we can receive as we fast and pray. And I'm telling you, expect divine direction. Expect divine direction. I'm looking here at 1 Samuel. I love this because God so wants people to have divine direction that even before they were filled with the Holy Ghost, God was giving divine direction uh, to his people through the prophets and the priests. And you look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I've used this story multiple times that at Ziklag, uh, David found out that his wives and his men's wives and their children and their livestock, everything, it's been taken from them. It's been abducted, if you will, taken like Liam Neeson style taken. And David, who's a man of war, David, who's a, he's a bad dude. Like this is a guy that can take you out quickly. But he said, I'm not going to even do it. I'm not going to even pursue them. I'm not going to even go after this band of raiders unless God's going to be with me and I'm going to overtake and recover all. So what does he do instead? He asked the people, bring me the ephod. So now I'm getting ready to inquire of the Lord. And so they brought him the ephod and the Bible says he began to pray and ask God for what direction should I go? Lord, should I go? Will I overtake them? Will I recover all? And the Lord answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue and recover all. So here David is waiting for divine direction from the Lord. Now, now let me make a point. 
David is waiting for divine direction from the Lord, even though what he should do seems obvious. Get that in your spirit. David still inquired of the Lord uh, for direction, even though what he should do seemed obvious. See, what, what do you mean by that? Well, he's already a man of war. He's got a whole group of mighty men with him right there in the camp. They're all ticked off anyway. It's their wives too. It's their children too. It's their livestock too. And you're like, all right, we're, we're a powerful team of warriors. We could easily track these guys down. We could easily, you know, you think about that. That's obvious. That's our wives. That's our children. That's our possessions. And we are men of, it's not like they were all just like, you know, uh, you know, math professors, they were warriors. Not to say that if you're a math professor, you're not a warrior, but at the same, you know, probably not. So, you know, it's not like, it's like, oh, what should we do? Should we train for battle and go get our family? No, they were already trained. They were already, they, they were already victorious warriors. Let's just go get our people. No, I'm not going because I don't want to do anything in my flesh or something that's outside of God's plan. And I, I want you to get this because there are people watching me right now. You already have natural talents. You've got natural abilities. You're gifted. You're gifted. But, but listen to me. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. This is why this direction from the Holy Ghost is so important. And I want you to hear it. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Please put that in the comments. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. Think about it this way. There's probably actually many things you could do, but there's only one thing you should do. Think about it. There's many things you could do. You're, you're gifted. You've got talents. You've got abilities. So there's many directions you could go, many things you could do, but there's only one thing you should do. You say, what's the one thing I should do? The thing the Lord wants you to do. It's the thing the Lord wants you to do. So why do we inquire for divine direction? Because why would, why would we want to do something in our own strength, in our own power, in our own... I'm looking at the names that are popping up on the screen, and I know many, many, many of you I know personally. And I'm looking at all these people that I know are talented... They're talented. They're gifted. These people are, are, are uh, you know, these are professionals. These are people that have the wherewithal to get stuff done. But just because they can doesn't mean they should. Doesn't mean they, that's right. And Ben Fole said, that's the thing that keeps you at peace. That's exactly right. Because you need that direction. Because man, let me tell you, if I did all the things I could do, <laughs> buddy, I'd be, I'd be in trouble. We just had a team meeting yesterday. We went for like two hours or something like that, didn't we? It was about two hours, two and a half hours yesterday uh, where we were planning for the future and doing all things. And let me tell you something. We came up with all these different wonderful things, but if I did all the things I could do, it would be ridiculous. It would actually be detrimental, not helpful. It would be detrimental because what it would actually do is take me away from the thing the Lord wants me to do. And so you realize this, I can't do everything. 
So once you realize you can't do everything, that's when it becomes important to find out, well, what is the thing that I should do then? What is what the Lord wants me to do? What is that thing? Because if I can't do everything, then what thing should I do? And the thing you should do is what the Lord called you to do and what he's speaking to you by direction to accomplish. So that's why as we pray, divine direction is released and boy, do we need it. Boy, do we need it. Divine direction from the Holy Ghost. Now, let me give you the next one. What is this? Number five, one, two, three, four. Yep. Number five. The fifth thing is divine secrets are released. Now this is wonderful. This is a wonderful thing. You say, what are divine secrets? That's when God lets you in on things that are going to take place in the future. That's when he gives you warnings about what's to come. That's when he gives you, that's when he tells you about what's going to take place. It's almost, you know, it's like the believer operating in a spirit of prophecy, even though it may be personal prophecy. You begin to understand, I got to understand this. The Lord's showing me this is getting ready to take place and I need to be prepared for it. How many of you ever had that happen to you where you were praying and the Lord kind of gave you a heads up. This is getting ready to happen. So-and-so is getting ready to do this. Get ready. This is going to take place. Get, it might've been about your job. Might've been about your children, your family members, whatever. And as you begin to pray, you realize, oh, the Lord's showing me what's getting ready to take place. And he's showing me ahead of time so that I can be prepared and I can be ready for what's going to go uh, down in the future. Right. And so, uh, I remember telling you the story about brother Hagen, uh, when the Lord woke him up out of a dead sleep and began to speak to him about the fact that a recession was going to come to the United States of America. This was decades ago. And he said, there's a recession coming financial recession. And the Lord then after now watch, watch how God did this. Sometimes these two things will work together as they did for brother Hagen. He got a word from the Lord that was a divine secret. It was secrets about the future. But then after God gave him the secret, God gave him divine direction so that he could miss out on the attack that was going to come against the nation, right? So uh, God woke him up out of a dead sleep and told him a recession is coming. There's the divine secret. You know something that others don't know by the spirit of God, a recession is coming. He said, so, okay, now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And brother Hagin began to write it down. He said, I want you to go into your uh, ministry and I want you to do this, 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 and this. And if you'll do these things, even though it's coming, you won't feel the effects of it by any means. And he wrote about this and said, it did come. But because I immediately obeyed the instructions of the Lord, which was what? Divine direction. Although it came, our ministry did not feel any of the recession. He said, in fact, it was during the recession that our ministry brought in all of the finances that built the Rama campus and we paid cash for all that we did. So imagine that. And he said at that same time, other ministries were in a place where they were scrambling. Many were going off television. They were pulling back from things that they were currently doing because they didn't have the finances. He said that never happened to us. Why? Two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, he received divine secret. And number two, he received divine direction. 
And when he operated in, uh, in that power that came through prayer, guess what? It brought the benefit of God's presence on his finances, on his ministry, and expansion took place. Look at that, another testimony. I just received a $1,000 bonus in my paycheck that was not expected. Praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you, things are going to happen during this time of fasting and prayer. It's going to blow our minds. It's going to blow our minds. So divine secrets. Uh, this principle can be seen in the book of Jeremiah. Of course, we know Jeremiah was a prophet. And so in the Old Testament, God was speaking to his prophets about the future. And obviously, Jeremiah was not a believer. He was not a Christian redeemed by the blood of Jesus, but he was a prophet. And the Lord speaks to him and says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Think about that. Great and hidden things that you have not known. Let me read that to you in the, uh, in the NET real quick. Great and hidden things. The new living, I believe says, I will tell you secrets about the future. I love that. I will tell you secrets about the future. Listen to the NET. Call on me in prayer and I will answer you. I will show you great and mysterious things that you still do not know about. So God has the ability. So why does God have the ability to do that? Because Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that the, the secret things belong to the Lord. The secret things belong to the Lord and the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. So God has the right at any moment to reveal any secret thing to his people that are seeking his face. And that's one of the things we should expect during fasting and prayer is that secrets will be revealed to us as God's people. Let's go further. Number six, personal refreshing is released. It's a life-changing benefit of prayer. Personal refreshing is released to you as you pray. And I'm thinking specifically of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number four. Listen to it. The Bible says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So when you pray in the spirit, it actually refreshes you personally. When you pray, it refreshes you personally. Getting into the presence of God, which is what prayer does, refreshes you personally. It refreshes your spirit. Many of you may have experienced this already in your life that you begin to pray, you get into God's presence and it's, it's like instantly as you start doing it, you feel like the burdens lifted off your shoulders, like weight is lifted off of your shoulders. That is personal refreshing that is coming through a time of prayer. And, and let me tell you, that's one of the things that keeps us in place, in a place of strength so that we're not always having to fend off all the same things that the world's fending off. We can stay in refreshing. We can stay. This is why I don't believe in, sorry, I hit my mic. I know it's, it's me. I'm just pulling my shirt up. Um, that's why I don't believe necessarily in times of refreshing. Meaning that like, oh, I'm going through a season of refreshing right now. There should be no seasons you sh of refreshing. You should be able to stay refreshed by spending that time in prayer. Why? Let me ask you a question. 
Why would God take you through a time where you're not experiencing any refreshing or encouragement? It doesn't even make sense. In fact, if you read in the book of Acts, the people that the apostles were talking to about times of refreshing will come from the Lord, read the things they said to them before that. What did they say? Repent of your sin, right? And be saved. And then times of refreshing will come. Well, you're not a sinner. Not speaking to sinners today. I'm talking to Christians. He said, if you want to see times of refreshing, repent and be baptized, be saved. And then times of refreshing will come from the Lord. I've already repented. I'm already saved. I have a direct connection with the Holy Ghost. He lives in me. And so why should I not be able to experience his refreshing on a daily basis? We should daily pray in the Holy Ghost, daily pray in our known language. And as we done, or as we do, guess what? Refreshing will come. Um, someone asked, I worship and tongues will come out of me. I talk to God throughout my day and tongues come out, but not praying. So am I praying wrong? No, praying in tongues is a form of prayer. You can pray as Paul said in first Corinthians 14, he said, uh, I will pray in the spirit or with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. This is first Corinthians, uh, chapter 14 verses 15. Um, yeah, it's verse 15, first Corinthians 14, 15. He said, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So what's he talking about in this context? Uh, uh, yeah, don't, don't even bring the West Virginia up, Dylan. Um, but what was he talking about in this context? What he's talking about when he's talking to them, because he's been dealing with them on the subject of tongues. And what he's saying is when he said, I'll pray with my spirit, he's saying, I'll pray in tongues, but I'll also pray in my known language. I'll sing in tongues, but I'll also sing in my known language. That's what he's teaching here. It's the whole context of the 14th chapter. And he's telling them what to do. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Right. And so what he's teaching is he's saying that I, we should do both. We should pray in the spirit and in our known language. We should sing in the spirit and sing in our known language. And that's absolutely fine. And one of these benefits is divine refreshing which we should, we should have access to on a daily basis. Why would I want to go any day without the refreshing of God? Why would I want to have any time away from the refreshing presence of the Holy Spirit? I want it all the time. And guess what? We have access to it all the time via prayer. So that was what? Number six, <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. Uh, again, number seven, forgiveness is available. What a wonderful thing. Forgiveness is available through prayer. And the Bible tells us that first John one, nine, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there we have access to forgiveness. That's a life changing benefit. You know, it's amazing is that, uh, we can repent and we can pray for forgiveness at any moment. We don't have to wait for an annual sacrifice. We don't have to wait for someone to do it on our behalf. No, because we already have a divine connection with Jesus Christ through his blood. And if there is any mistake, if you've failed, if there's anything you've done that's displeasing to God, how wonderful to know 
that when you pray, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That God will restore you to your same, as if you've never sinned. Think about that. As if you've never, that's what, it's a good way to remember justification. Just as if you've never sinned. Just as if you've never sinned. That's what justification is. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's so wonderful that we have access to forgiveness through prayer. Number eight, I love it, protection. We've got access to protection through prayer. Hallelujah. And that's a wonderful thing. I've, I've experienced that in my own life. I've told you the stories. I've experienced it multiple times, not just once. When I was a little child, uh, my father prayed for me and there was a, there was a service Uh, He was in a revival, set of revival meetings. In the middle of the winter, we were in the Midwest, and we were miles and miles from any hospital, and there was a whiteout snowstorm outside. There was no way to get there, and I was blue in the face and couldn't breathe as a baby. And my father just took me in his arms and walked around and prayed and prayed and prayed. And God healed me and protected my life that night where I should have Uh, who knows, died or something terrible happened to me, but through prayer, God protected my life, happened on throughout my life. There was a time where my father was praying for me and uh, he was praying and the Lord showed him a vision. I was a little boy playing next to the main street, the main road. And he had this vision of a a, a vehicle zooming down and uh, hitting me uh, in the street. And he began to pray and he ran down with the warning of God And there I was by the street, exactly as he saw me. And he said, I look white faced. And he said, the thing barely missed me. He said, he believed the prayers that he prayed protected me from death. It was the same as when I got in the car wreck when I was in Bible school, should have been dead. Could have hit anything with no seatbelt, a a telephone pole, a parked car, a pedestrian, whatever, a a wall, and, and didn't hit a thing. Ended up completely coming to a complete stop in the middle of a empty warehouse parking lot. But he said, when I called him earlier today, I had a vision of you being in a car accident and I began to pray. I began to pray. And what happened? Protection was released for my life. Prayer brings protection. You can pray over your children, pray over your grandchildren, which one of the prayer points that I keep in front of me, that I I, I declared in Jesus name that uh, my children will not have any harm or danger come to them or befall them. Accidents have to stay far from them. Uh, acts of terrorism. I'll ne- my, my children will never be found in a school shooting. You begin to declare that. My, my children will never be, I'll never go to the hospital to identify the body. They'll never be mugged in an alley and stuffed in a dumpster. They'll not be the uh, target of gang activity or terrorist activity. In Jesus' name, my children will be blessed. Of course, with my kids, you know, for them to be involved in a school shooting, it'd have to be one of the three of them because they're all homeschooled. So like one of the three would have had to gone nuts and come in and do a school. But of course that'll never happen. But even if they went to school, public, private, or Christian, whatever, my children will never be uh, the victim of some act of terrorism, some act of violence in Jesus name. The Lord is sheltering our children, sheltering our grandchildren. It will not be the story that the world has, that's not our story. Ours will be different. My children will be protected from the perversion of this world. My, ch- my children will be protected. And so you go through those prayer points. And what are you praying over your kids and family? Divine protection in Jesus' name. 
Our story will not be their story. And so we begin to declare it. That our kids will always be supernaturally protected by angels. Even when they're old enough to no longer be under your care, as it were. You know, they're 18, they're 19. They might be going to college or moving away, whatever it is. Uh, even when they're not under your care and under your roof. Divine protection is on your family. Divine protection is on your children. And that's what we're believing God for. And that's found all through the scriptures. That as, they, uh, as people, God's people prayed, protection came. As God's people prayed, divine protection took place. I've told you that story before about that minister that my grandfather knew who, uh, who was doing ministry in a nation where they were hostile to the gospel. You heard me say that the one morning, all of these men that were hostile to the gospel and to the mission in that nation came up to the compound where the mission was and asked the minister if they could be saved. And he said, what changed your mind? Why did you decide to come and be saved today? They said, well, because last night we came to kill you. And we came up here with machetes and different weapons to kill you and all the people in the mission. But when we got here, and it was during one of their prayer services, they said, when we got here, there were two huge men standing outside the entrance with flaming swords that were standing there dressed in white. And we ran and fled back to the village. And we were so afraid to see. And we realized there's more power with what you're doing than what, with, what, with what we have. And we want to be saved. And that was, what the, that was their testimony. They didn't even know there was a threat against their life. But as they prayed, the power of God protected them and kept them. Hallelujah. And so that's, that's a, a, one of the benefits of prayers. Divine protection. Divine protection. I've seen so many wild stories of people that are praying people that are divinely protected. I have a, a cousin in West Virginia who was out hunting during hunting season and um, somebody shot a bullet and he still has this shot. Uh, some drunk guy shot in the woods at him thinking he was something. I don't know what. And that bullet hit him right where his heart would have been. But he always kept a uh, pocket New Testament in that breast pocket. And the bullet went right into that pocket New Testament and stuck in there and pulled it out. And he was divinely protected, supernaturally, didn't die, wasn't shot. You understand? So there, there are so many testimonies I could give you uh, of divine protection through prayer. And you should expect it as we fast and pray. Um, number nine, prayer builds up or stirs up your faith. That's another one that we need to keep in our mind all the time because our faith needs to be active and ready to work. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So our faith needs to be ready for action at all times. Our faith needs to be ready for action. You say, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I always use the example of an athlete who's preparing themselves for performance. And you know, you don't show up and I played sports for years. You don't show up to the sporting event in your street clothes and then just start playing right then. No, people stretch out. There's a stretching time. There's a warm up time. You know, you come early with your team, you do your stretching, you get all that ready. Then they let you have time. I played basketball. They gave you time out on the, on the court before the game began to do warm ups, and they would do different warm up routines and different warm up drills. What are you doing? You're prepping your muscles for action, prepping your joints for action. You're getting yourself ready to perform at a high level. 
The same is true with prayer, especially as you pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20 says that you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. Doesn't give you more faith. It builds up or stirs up the faith you already have. And so uh, one of the benefits of of prayer that's life-changing is it keeps your faith ready for action. Years ago, I used to tell a story about a friend of mine in high school got in a bad car accident and I got to the, uh, the hospital where he was in a coma and uh, all of the people that were unsaved, you know, on one side and they were just, they were, you know, some of them still hung over from the party the night before where he got drunk as well and they, they wrecked their car into a barn. He's in a coma now. And what did I do? I went to the other side of the waiting room and I just began to pray in the Holy Ghost. I didn't even fully understand this principle back then. But I was praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost because he was in the ICU. And I'm telling you, I just started praying until I felt this faith rising, rising, rising. My faith was being stirred up to take action. And I kept on praying and I kept on feeling it building up until I couldn't take it anymore. I just went straight back through and pressed through those doors back. And they tried to stop me, but they couldn't stop me. I got back to his room and I, I walked into the room and I began to pray. I laid my hands on him. I loosed the anointing into his body. And the next morning he was up and out of the coma with no brain trauma, with no motor skill damage, no memory loss, all of those things, but God did it. But see, I wouldn't have been ready for action had I not been praying in the Holy Ghost, stirring up my faith. Or if I was just looking at the natural realm, man, he's busted up, he's on a table, he's in a coma. Nurses say they don't know how he'll be if he ever comes out. His mom's crying in the room. If I let the natural circumstances govern me, I don't know if I'd have been ready to pray at all, but by praying in the Holy Ghost, see, I was getting myself ready for action because it stirs up, it warms up your most holy faith and gets you ready to roll. Number 10, um, it gives you supernatural peace from God. Philippians 4, 7. Number 10, prayer gives you supernatural peace from God. Listen to this. Verses six and seven. Philippians four, verses six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So what's step one? Pray. And what does Paul say the result will be? And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So not just any kind of peace, but the kind of peace that nobody can understand that will guard your heart. That's serious peace. That's supernatural peace. The kind of prayer that no, or the peace that no one understands and the peace that will guard your heart. What's the key? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And after you've prayed, the peace of God, hallelujah, whoo, that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So supernatural peace is a divine benefit, a life-changing benefit. Think about right now. Think about all that's going on in the world right now. Think about how much people need peace right now. It's one of the biggest things I've had to pray for people for as I've traveled 
over this last couple of years. And I'll say, how many of you that you've, you've had a serious attack against your peace and against your joy? And people will flood the altar. Why? The enemy has worked hard to steal the peace of God's people and the joy. And so, peace is released through this prayer, through thanksgiving. And then number 11, go to Matthew 26. This is powerful because it's also, it is also something that is what we've called the master key. Keeps you in the overwhelming blessings of God. Number 11 is this, staying in prayer gives you the strength to live holy. Look at Matthew 26 and we're going to read uh, verses 40 and 41. Verse 40, and Jesus came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour, meaning watch and pray? You couldn't watch and pray with one hour. He said, watch and pray, verse 41, that you may not enter into temptation, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so here's a passage that shows us that it is prayer that gives us the strength to live holy. But then what happens after that? Holiness opens the door to all of the blessings that God has prepared and set aside for you. As we've read in many scriptures, Psalm 84, 11, God will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. Job 36, 11, if they'll just obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Go on further. Uh, Isaiah 1 and verse 19, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. So when you live for the Lord, <coughs> the Bible says that there's blessings. There are blessings attached to a holy lifestyle. And that's God's promise that when everything else, I mean, that's the key that that uh, Pastor Adeboya was teaching on, that there are things that can stop faith from working. There are things that can stop uh, uh, praise from working. There are things that can stop giving from working, but there's nothing that can stop holiness from working. Nothing can stop holiness from working. And that's the key. And that's what prayer does. It gives you the power and the strength to live holy. As Bishop Oyedepo has said many times, if you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. If you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. Pop that in the comments before we pray. If you're not prayerful, you will be sinful. And so uh, I want to encourage you as we're praying, I'm giving you the why today. I'm giving you the why. These 11 things will stir you up and help you to see what is being released as you are praying. What is being released as you are praying? And it's powerful. It's powerful. God gave us prayer as a divine access to his power. And there are, these are all the aspects. And I'm, I know there's more, but, you know, it's amazing to see all of these things that are released simultaneously as you're praying. Expect the best. Expect the best. Now, I'm going to pray for you. We've had more prayer requests come in more in the um, private Facebook group, some in the comments. Uh, people are sending messages. They need miracles. 
Family members need miracles. Family members need healing. And so we're standing with you. I'm standing with you. We're believing God with you that things are turning around supernaturally for your family and in your body and in your mind and in your relationships and among your loved ones and in your finances, turning around supernaturally by the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. We are so thankful for that anointing that's been released to us. We're so thankful for your power. Now, Lord, we ask you that you would intervene in our lives. Lord, for those of us that are battling physically, battling sickness and disease, can't seem to get free, would you touch us today? Would you release healing virtue to every man and every woman? We thank you that your word declares that you will put none of these diseases upon us, that you are the Lord that heals us. You are Jehovah Rapha. And so we thank you, Lord, now that you are touching and healing and delivering your people. I pray, Lord, for that. There are those that are struggling with addictions, those that are listening, those that are watching. They love you, but they can't seem to get free from nicotine. They can't seem to get free from alcohol. They can't seem to get free from drugs or prescription medications and different relationships. But Lord, I ask you today that addictions would be supernaturally broken. Let deliverance be released by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let people's lives be changed for the better. I command every invisible prison to open wide and let the captives go free today in Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you, Lord. You'll get all the praise for that and the glory as people are being set free. Now, Lord, we ask you also, on top of that, for people that are not yet uh, clear on their purpose uh, and on, on their direction from you, would you speak and make clear to them what it is you've called them to do, what you want them to do? And from this day forward, let there, let there be clarity on their purpose so that they can run with momentum and do all the things that you have commanded and called them to do in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you for that. And we give you glory for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those that have loved ones that are unsaved. Let this be the year that the word of God comes to them and their heart is convicted and they come into the kingdom. Draw them to repentance, Lord. Let this be a year of household salvation in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that are standing for their businesses and their ministries, let it be a year of financial breakthrough as they sow their seeds, significant seeds. Open up those harvests quickly, Lord. We thank you for that. We give you glory in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those that have written in specifically that are battling with COVID, battling with pneumonia, they're battling, they're battling Lord, with these different respiratory issues. They're in the hospital, family members in the hospital. Touch them today, Lord. Give them healing in their body. Bring them out safely and securely in Jesus' name. We thank you. We give you praise. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every man and woman today about what seed you would have them to sow financially. As we know that 2022 is going to be the greatest financial year that we've ever seen, I pray that you would speak a word to us. Give us instruction regarding our seed sowing and we'll be obedient and we'll do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, for those of you, the Lord's speaking to you. You know exactly what you're supposed to do today. I want to encourage you, sow that seed. I'm challenging you. It's time to go further in what we're called to do. And the finances have to flow in order for you to complete your purpose. You need the resources of God to do the work of God. 
doesn't matter if you're in the ministry or if you have your own business. It doesn't matter. For your family, you need the resources of God to do the work of God. And so on the screen, you can see the ways you can give, of course. You can always go to MiracleWord.com and you can always use any of the digital forms of payment that you want to use to sow seed. And we say thank you to those that are. For this month of January, we've got some things we want to bless you with for those that are sowing at different levels. If you're sowing at $85 this month at a partnership level, we want to send you Lester Summerall's story of his life. This is a powerful book, Adventuring with Christ. All of his adventures as he uh, set out in the ministry. Uh, and they are amazing adventures. Wait till you read some of this stuff. It's like mind-blowing. Uh, and faith-building. And this is what we're sending for those that are uh, partnering at $85 or more. For those that are sowing $250 or more this month, we're also including How We Got the Bible by Dr. Lightfoot. This is an excellent book, an overview on the canon of Scripture, where it came from, how we recognized it, why we don't believe certain books are in the Bible or inspired by God. This will open your eyes. It's a great, great read. And then for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, as many have begun to do, uh, we're sending you as well as that, the life application. No, no, not the life application study Bible. This one, the Net Bible Full Notes Edition. I, was, I wish I had a, I don't know, if even with our close shot, if you'll be able to see this. But can you see, can you see the middle part portion here? This is just the text of scripture. Everything else around it, these three columns are notes on the scripture. This, this study Bible literally is, is so valuable. It's so valuable. And, um, I use it all the time. It's excellent for those that want to go deeper in the scripture. And this will be our gift to you as well with those other two books for those that are sowing a thousand dollars. Uh, or more this month. And then if you're stepping up and sewing largely at, at $5,000 or more, we have for you the Elite Study Collection, where we've included what, what I believe to be some of the most important uh, study materials for the believer as you're getting into deeper Bible study. And we say thank you. Yeah, it's kind of like that, kind of like Dake's in that way, Liz. You're right. Um, don't forget, uh, there are new podcast episodes available for The Last Gen. And of course, our, all of our podcast episodes are updated all the time. If you've not yet done so, I really want to encourage you to download our free app that's in the App Store. It's on Google Play. It's on the Apple App Store. All you've got to do is search Miracle Word. Within the app, there's so many resources, so many resources. All of our episodes and, of course, Miracle Word Radio, all of our television broadcasts, which air around the world in over 180 nations of the world, they're all available exclusively inside of our app. All of the content for kids, Miracle Word Kids, can be found inside the app. There are so many, so many resources in one place, and it's free. So I want to encourage you to download that, search Miracle Word in the App Store, you'll get it. Again, if you've not yet joined the private Facebook group for the fast, go to our website, MiracleWord.com, click the link, and join today. You won't regret doing it. We also just put something uh, together for you guys uh, that you can find for your own worship time and your own meditation time, a playlist of worship songs that we're listening to right now. And we'll update that as we're putting new stuff together and as we're listening to more. It's called the Miracle Word Mixtape. You can get it on Apple Music and Spotify and YouTube Music as well. And uh, it's available for you guys. And again, we will update it as we're listening to different things and stuff like that. But this will, this will just kind of be a curated place for really good faith building 
and anointed worship music. Anointed is the key there. We want the music to be anointed. And so, listen, I'm back with you again tonight at 9 p.m. Last night was awesome. If you missed it, go back and watch the replay or listen. But I'm telling you, it's going to be great again tonight at 9 o'clock. Don't miss it. Stay strong on the fast. Read the Word. You've got the Bible reading plan that we're posting every day in the private Facebook group. Read the Word. Pray and uh, get your faith built up. I love you. I'll see you again tonight, 9 p.m. New York City time. Have a blessed day. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.